Well, thank you. It's it's good to be here. Uh, this is kind of a heavy topic for the first one. I thought, boy, they we're jumping. It's like teaching a kid to swim and you push him in the deep end, you know, <laughs> swim, <laughs> or you've had it. Um, in the book of Joshua, I have uh, opportunities of at least once a year going somewhere in the world and doing teaching to foreign countries. And uh, this year I was supposed to go to Africa and I I got out of it, and I just a little while ago was with the Sioux Indians uh, on, the, on the reservation. And it's very interesting. I've, I've been with the Crete, the Ojibwe, the Apache, the Navajo, and now the Sioux. And uh, was one of the interesting parts of it is um, the, the medicine man, the most powerful medicine man in the Sioux Nation lived on that particular reservation and he had these Uweepi meetings every night that I was having my meetings and he uh, wanted to meet with us. He travels around the world, he gives lectures, he was a college, uh, uh, teaching in a college who, and his father was a medicine man. When he died he had to take over his father's place so he resigned as a college professor and is doing all this uh, medicine stuff. But he met with us for an hour and a half. It was really interesting, uh, just for questions and just talking to us from our perspective. He's real n a new age type person, plus the uh, uh, the Indian uh, traditions and so on. But in the book of Joshua, the last chapter of Joshua is a very significant chapter in the scriptures, and you may just want to write it down and look it up when you go home. But Joshua said something very strong to the children of Israel. And it was his farewell parting address. And Joshua said this in, in chapter 24. Uh, we know, remember his famous statement, choose who you'll serve? And we take that out of the context. We need to put it back into the context. What was he talking about? He's talking about what we call synchronization. Synchronization is something that... that you don't think much about in, in, in our culture, uh, but we're doing it here also. But it, it's a real problem overseas. And synchronization is when I take the teachings of my forefathers, especially spiritistic teachings, and I take Christianity and I try to synchronize them together, you know, to put them together so they work. Like some of the, uh, the Sioux Indians, the Christians, had uh, tobacco ties in their windows. And tobacco ties is little pouches of tobacco that you string in your window in every window of the house and it'll keep spirits from coming through your window. Well, should a Christian be putting tobacco ties in their windows? Well, since you guys already know this, what are you doing in this, this session? <laughs> Probably the ones that ought to be here are not here. Um, but Joshua was really concerned about this, that the children of Israel were synchronizing the gods of Egypt along with the true and living God. And they were trying to put it together. And Joshua said, it, you're getting the worst of both. You know, God is convicting you for dabbling with the Egyptian gods, and you're getting demonic attacks because you're fooling with the Egyptian gods. And you can't do that. So Joshua says in verse 14 of the last chapter there, he says, now therefore... Fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods that your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. 
And if it seems evil for you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. You've got to make a choice. You can't do both. Whether the gods of your fathers served between the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in the lands whom you dwell, but as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. And we're cutting off all of the gods that our forefathers picked up. When we get uh, our counseling center small, there's just three of us. Uh, we have Dr. Rumberger. Uh, some of you heard Dr. Rumberger when he was here. Uh, our psychologist, Dr. Mark Bubeck, who wrote The Adversary and Overcoming the Adversary and The Revival of Satanism, which Campus Crusade made him put that title on it, but that's not the title he wanted. He wanted a, a book on prayer revival, and they said Christians are not buying books on prayer, and no one would publish it because books on prayer are not in today. So Christians aren't interested in books on prayer, so they, they changed the title and put a little bit more about the revival of satanic activity in the front of the book, and, and Mark wept over it, but that was the only way he could get his book on prayer out. So we're, we're, we're living in a time, though, where it's amazing. We get to our, our center, we get about 5,000 phone calls that we have to call back a year. And at least 3,000 of those calls come to me. And so I start at work at 5 o'clock in the morning, and some of you here, I've called. Some of you have had struggles with families you were helping or something and have called us. And I start calling on the East Coast at 5 in the morning, and I call across the United States. And... Uh, in order to let someone come for counseling, we have uh, some check sheets that we have the people go through and check off information and so on, and they send them in and we look at it to be sure uh, that we'll let them come. Our counseling is free, we don't charge, and I'm booked up through November. And that's a long time when you're having some tremendous tr trauma in your life and you don't know where to go, and you know there's some kind of something going on that's not right and normal about the problem that you're having. There seems to be some enemy involvement there, and I can't seem to break it. One of the things that we check out with in the early beginning, and that is, has there been any kind of spiritistic or occultic involvement in the past of that family or of the young people in the family. And you would be amazed at the Christian young people that we see. And, I, and, and some of you know that, uh, that basically I'm the counselor for the ATIA families, the Bill Gothard Homeschool Program. Uh, I'm the available counselor for those families. And uh, then, because I speak in a lot of homeschool things, we get a lot of homeschool families that call because I'm not going to tell them to take their kids and put them in the public school because they're having a struggle. And that's what a lot of you found. I mean, if you've talked to a counselor, they're saying, well, put your kids back in school. And you're saying, listen, that we had enough trouble with, with that whole school thing, and we're not putting our kids back in there. And it's been very discouraging for families because the kids are saying, see, you know, even the counselor says I should be going to public school. And it's been really counterproductive for a lot of families that have tried to get some counseling help when the counselors don't understand the whole principle of homeschool and why you're doing what you're doing and the whole part of homeschooling. But you'd be amazed at how many homeschool kids that are heavily involved in occultic practices that their folks don't even know. 
You just, it's just amazing. We just had uh, one situation that is just terrible. Just, it went on. It's just terrible. And uh, should I turn this thing down? It's a hostile group. <laughs> but uh, this young man, he, he, he told his, uh, his mom just the other day, I hate your guts. I just hate you. Yeah, and that's it's horrible. They didn't know what to do. And this kid is involved in all kinds of occultic stuff. They found satanic drawings. They found all this stuff hidden in his room. And they're just all tore up over the behavioral changes in this fellow's life. Well, we want to try to share with you some of the things that, that, that should be obvious that you may want to guard against. And we could tell you stories, and in fact, I have testimonies I could read, and you would have a hard time believing them. In fact, one of the testimonies I was going to read, there is a couple here that worked with the head of that mission, that missionary that wrote this, the head of that whole mission, uh, with uh, the Indians on that particular reservation and how their family came under attack. One of the things that uh, we're being flooded with today, and as parents, uh, you want to guard against, and that is spiritistic or occultic games. There's a lot of games out there that, that are sold in toys for us in these places that have an occultic theme to them. And you don't want your kids playing occultic games. Let me tell you a story of a missionary's son, uh, what happened to him. Uh, all of a sudden, we knew that this boy's um, emotional life was changing. Didn't know why. He was uh, 15 years old, <clears throat> going on 16. We didn't know why, but there was radically something wrong. His mom was getting really concerned, and one night she, she went in to pray with him, and she went into the bedroom, and he was gone. The window was open, and he'd gone out the window. Well, she was really frightened, so she, she ran out and called her husband, and she said, uh, our son is not in his bedroom, he's climbed out the window. So they, they went outside and they found him sitting behind the garage and he was crying. And the mom says, what is wrong? He said, you know, I've asked you before. And you always say, oh, there's nothing, mom. And he said, what's wrong? And he said, mom, all I think about is killing myself for the last three months. When I get in the car and I drive to school, I get these urges to run into a tree or to, to, to run into the, a car head on or to go off the road where you could go off and be hurt. And he said, that just goes on all the time. I have these thoughts continually to kill myself, kill myself, kill myself. She said, well, you're going to see, Mr. Logan, who well, I was the counselor of that mission, was Child Evangelism Fellowship, and I was the counselor for CEF for uh, seven years. In fact, I left there to come to where I am now. I was one of the vice presidents of that mission. And so um, we brought, Jimmy came in, and when he walked in to see me and sat down, he was just, I was sitting close to him, he started shaking uncontrollably. And I knew that this was not a common depression. It wasn't just a depression. This young man was out of control. It looked like he had palsy of some sort, just shaking all over. And he started perspiring, and, and perspiration was just running off of him. We had air conditioning going. He was obviously in serious trouble, serious trouble with the enemy. And I said, Jimmy, what's wrong? And he said, Mr. Logan, I don't know. This, I don't know. He said, I have a fear of you. 
in me. I, I want to get up and run out of this room. He said, I'm shaking, and I don't know why I'm shaking. I don't shake. And he said, I'm not hot, and yet perspiration is dripping off of me. And I, I asked Jimmy about these thoughts of suicide. When did they start? And Jimmy said, they started in January. And this was three months later. And I said, Jimmy, what did you do in January? And he said, oh, he said, what we did is we made a homemade Ouija board. They just used the alphabet and numbers and stuff. They didn't even have a real Ouija board. And a glass. And I got messages. And I used it three times. Now, I know some of you here may have used a Ouija board. And you said, I've never shaken. I've never perspired. I never went through that. And I can't explain that. I really can't explain how someone dabbles in occultic practices and walks away and it doesn't appear to be any real problem. And others do a lot less than that and have tremendous problems. Uh, we pray for Jimmy. He confessed that as being wrong, which is very important. He identified what he did wrong. See, there are four reasons that people get involved in occultic practices. The, the first reason I give you, I think, is the main reason. We found this on college campuses. I had opportunities for speaking with Campus Crusade and the Navigators and traveling to different college campuses and meeting with the kids. The, the reason that kids get involved in this is for power. They want power. They want power over their own life or they want power over people. And so they get involved in these practices and activities for power. The second reason that and I think it's probably the second most reason that people get involved in these activities is for guidance. A Ouija board, tarot cards, fortune tellers, um, horoscopes from just a simple one to having your own, you know, really cast and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and then for healing, there's a lot of occultic healing practices that's being used. And then the, the, the last one is for protection. You get things to protect you. In fact, you have Christians doing things for protection that, that to me are spiritistic or occultic. I know they don't mean to be, but what they're doing really lends itself to that aspect. And I do want to address that a little bit. So the, the, the area of, of games, I would go through your home and remove any games that you would have in the home that would have any kind of spiritistic things. Um, it's like um, this kitchen witch, you know, a little witch that hangs on a broom. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to have real terrible problems in your house. You have a kitchen witch. But if I walk in your house and I see a kitchen witch, somehow Christianity doesn't, doesn't sound real strong. You know what I'm talking, you've seen them in the stores, you buy this little witch and she hangs, she brings good luck. It's a little witch on a broom. And you hang them in your kitchen. And it's a cute little thing, you know, quote unquote. Uh, the troll dolls. What are troll dolls? Look at them. Look at the history. Get a dictionary. What's a troll? How did it become a troll? What's a troll? Give it to your child, it brings what? They'll bring you what? Good luck. Aren't we lucky to be Christians to have things that'll bring us good luck? <laughs> uh, 
I think that we, we really want to be careful of bringing this kind of thing into our home. I mean, I could go on and on with stories of kids that were having serious problems because of things that they did in their own home that their parents allowed them to do as Christians in the area of, of, of occultic type things. The, uh, another, uh, the heavy duty games like Dungeons and Dragons, it appeals to really intelligent kids. It's not a game for kids that aren't smart. You have to be smart to play the game. It's a real, in fact, a lot of college kids play that game, and it goes on and on and on. And kids will, will, will argue. I mean, I've had youth groups argue with me and get real upset when I mention Dungeons and Dragons. And there's nothing wrong with that game. It's just a real neat game to play. And I just say this. A game where you have to use curses from the Satanic Bible, and you have to rape, plunder, murder, and kill, it doesn't sound like much of a game for a Christian person. We had a young man, I was uh, doing summer uh, missionaries, and these young men were going out as summer missionaries. And he was 15 years of age, somewhere around there, 14, 15. And we were just speaking about how to pray, and it was nothing on warfare at all. I hadn't even mentioned warfare. And as I was sharing, this young man was crying. And I didn't know why he was crying. And so after I got through sharing, I went down to see this fellow, and I said, why are you crying? And he said, well, I don't know. He just said, I just, um, you kind of spoke to my heart, and I'm crying. And uh, then he said, um, but I think I'm okay. Well, I walked away, and I was going to go home. It was late at night, and I was tired, but somehow the Lord wouldn't let me go. I just felt there's something wrong with this young man, and I just shouldn't walk away and leave him. So they did some more activities with these young people, and when they got finished, I walked up to him again, and I said, are you sure you're okay? Somehow I just don't feel in my heart. I just feel there's something wrong here. And he just out of the blue said, oh, Mr. Logan, I used to play Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I never even mentioned warfare. And I said, oh, that's interesting. I have a video in my uh, office here at the mission uh, that's, that uh, 60 Minutes did on Dungeons and Dragons and how all these kids committed suicide. They're murdered with that. I don't know if you ever saw it. Pat Poling was in there that runs uh, Parents Against Dungeons and Dragons because her son committed suicide after playing Dungeons and Dragons. And they didn't know he was even into it until after he was dead. And then they found all his, all his materials that he had hidden. Well, this young man came in my office, and we had... Uh, uh, wooden chairs with arms on them and kind of a big base, so there were heavy chairs. And he sat in one and I sat in the other. We watched this video. And after the video, he said, well, I not only played Dungeons and Dragons, I was a dungeon master. And I said, well, someone said it's pretty hard to be a dungeon master without having some real demonic involvement or struggles in your life. So the young man was sitting in front of me and I said, why don't we just pray against this? I mean, you did all this stuff, and, and I said, he said, I've thrown it away. I've gotten rid of it. Now, if a fellow has gotten rid of it, don't you think that would be enough? You'd think it would be, though, wouldn't you? I mean, mentally, you say, well, we got rid of the stuff. Now, uh, later on, we're going to be showing something about ground. It's like, this is coming at the wrong time. <laughs> Maybe this introduction to what to do. But we're going to show about taking ground and taking back ground and so on. But here is a young man who had given ground to the enemy through playing this. Now, he got rid of the stuff, and he had been rid of it for months. And here he's sitting in front of me. I mean, what happened was the most amazing thing. I never saw it happen before. It says in the scripture about praying and watching. You know, watch and pray. 
Well, when I deal with a lot of people that have this kind of problems, I do a lot of watching and praying. Uh, I pray with my eyes open so that I can maybe pray more specific if I need to, if something's going on. Well, this young man, when, he, when we said to pray, he put his head between his knees and dropped his hands on the floor. You know how kids can do this? I mean, I used to do that. I can't anymore, but, you know, I just went way down. And uh, so I just started praying. And when I prayed, it was as if I socked him. He was knocked backwards in the chair. The chair went up and I thought it was going to go over on the floor. It came back down. His head went in the air. His eyes rolled in the head and he started gurgling. I mean, just, I just started praying. And I just commanded what was ever there to go and to stop. And he said, wow, that was powerful. Did you see that? And I said, yeah, I'm sitting right here. I was right in front of him. I said, I did see that. Well, the reason I'm sharing that story is, I mean, here was a young man who, who got into it, got rid of the stuff, but he never took back the ground. And the enemy had such a hold on his life that just when we were praying with him, we saw this big demonstration of power in this young man's life. Now, this young man called me. He, that was like seven years ago. And we see so many people that they disappear out of our life, and we are hoping they're living happily ever after. Although I used to teach uh, marriage counseling at a Bible college, and uh, I would start the marriage counseling course that uh, the only person that lived happily ever after was Cinderella, and she's dead. <laughs> the rest of us have to work at it. <clears throat> but uh, so here is this young man, and, and, and with his power, and. and kind of lost track of him. Well, I got a call at our office. And he said, Mr. Logan, do you remember me? And I said, I sure do. Where are you? He said, well, I'm in seminary uh, studying to be a pastor. And I said, you know, from that time, have you ever had any other problems? And he said, no, never. There has never been any other. I mean, that did it. You know, he, it was one area of his life where he opened himself up through occultic things. That was taken care of. No more problems. In fact, he called because he knew a girl that was dabbling in this and wanted to help her and wanted to be sure he was going to do the right thing in, in helping this girl. There are uh, amazing things with families that are under attack. Uh, one of the things that uh, a lot of the families have done, and, and then they call us back and they can hardly believe the answers they're getting, and that is, in dealing with children, if children are having nightmares, not just an occasional nightmare, but night terrors, where they're having continually nightmares, you need to try to find out why. It's not normal for kids to have nightmares continually and wake up and you can't wake them up. You've, you've seen kids do that in their eyes or, and they're all afraid and all of that. Something is going on and something that's going on isn't good. And so we have parents ask their kids these questions, and we've had them call back crying because they had no idea that they would get the answer. We say, you know, when this is going on, ask your kids this question. Do you ever see anything that no one else sees? Now, we're not talking about imaginary friends. We're talking about invisible friends. They see them. No one else sees them. And this is on the increase, you can't believe, how many families are calling me where their kids are seeing things and talking to them, and they're talking back to the kids. We just got a call last week of a three-year-old. 
It's an ATIA family, and his sister has been living in a very wicked, evil lifestyle. And so he had his uh, nephew or whatever, yeah, his nephew in the home. And this nephew is three years old. And he has friends that he talks to all the time. And they're not imaginary. He sees them, and they talk to him. And the other question is, do you ever hear things that no one else hears? And if kids are doing that, they're in trouble. You want to ask it at the right time. <clears throat> I mean, you just don't spring that on a kid. But at the right time, you want to ask that question. Now, you just don't ask your, a normal child that. Not these kids aren't normal, but you're, out, you're talking about a child that you notice trouble. There's something troubling that child. And they're having some real struggles. If there is occultic involvement in your family history, uh, we did a uh, video that <clears throat> is going around the nation right now to pastors. It was just here a little while ago. Bill Gothier brought it. And in that video, I tell the story of Daniel. Daniel is my special prayer partner. He's praying for me right now. Daniel's 16. Daniel is a classic, he has classic autism. Daniel can't talk. Daniel's hands go like this. But Daniel is, is, is very intelligent. <clears throat> it's interesting, his testimony, because his family's homeschooling, they said that Daniel was retarded. So Daniel sat as the family was being homeschooled, making noises and doing his hands and stuff, and they said, <clears throat> and he can't talk, so they said he was retarded. Well, when Daniel learned how to communicate, the Dan said, what's the point of even trying to have Daniel, you know, push the alphabet with his fingers, doing facilitated communication, when he's retarded and he's never been to school? But guess what? Daniel is a genius. He told his folks when he received Christ as Savior. He told his folks the books he had read. He told, and he could do all of this. Why? Because he was being taught homeschooled. So here was a, a homeschool observer being taught because uh, Daniel can't write, he can't do that because of his hands things. <clears throat> but when Daniel was four years old, Luke came to him. And Luke came as an angel. And I've got the testimonies here. I've got a testimony of a little girl that was able to be free because she heard of Daniel's testimony. Anyway, Daniel's a neat testimony. It's the first long thing Daniel's ever written. And how Luke came and said, Daniel, your mom and dad don't love you. God doesn't love you. You don't have any friends. But I'll be your friend if you do what I tell you. And so he began to tell Daniel to do violent things. And he began to break windows out of their house. He began to bite his sisters. He began to smear feces on the wall at four and five years of age. And it got worse and worse and worse. And here was this Luke who Daniel saw, no one else saw, that would talk to him. But Luke began to attack other members in the family. The dad, being a PhD from Bob Jones, did not believe that spiritual warfare was relevant. And so when the girls told their dad, there's eyes in our bedroom. We see eyes in our bedroom. He said, you girls have a vivid imagination. It wasn't a vivid imagination. Some of you get my prayer letter. <clears throat> so you've heard the girl's, the girl's testimony, the 16-year-old girl's testimony that was in Russia. <clears throat> That's Daniel's sister. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we try to figure out, why did it happen to this Christian family? Here is a, a Christian family. They don't have a television. They've never had the wrong kind of music in their home. 
You know, here is a family that's conservative, has always tried to do the right thing, and, you know, here is this terrible activity in the family. Well, we try to figure out why was this going on? Why did this spirit come to Daniel at four years of age and, and begin to control his life? His grandmother was heavily into occult practices. And that opened the family up to come under attack. You know, it doesn't hurt to know what's gone on generationally in your family. These familiar spirits, family spirits that are in a family. In a, remember I, I mentioned I, I just uh, met with this medicine man. This medicine man was teaching in a college. When his father died, I asked him, I said, of course your father's spirits came to you, didn't they? He said, yes. I said, uh, how do you know when your father's spirits are here? He said, well, I can smell a shaving lotion. His father died. His father was the most powerful medicine man in the Sioux, the Sioux Nation. Well, this fellow wanted his son to get the spirits. Well, his son is a Christian that goes to the church that I was having these meetings at on the reservation. Well, the son said, I don't want grandpa's spirits. You can have them, Dad. Well, you would think in a family that when there is familiar spirits, familiar spirits, remember the witch of Endor? What does it say she had? A familiar spirit. This is what we're talking about. This one that gives the occultic ability, the one that gives the special powers to do things, these familiar spirits. And usually they run in a family. But they don't always go. Honestly, had uneasy feelings towards this girl. I didn't know who she was. I mean, it was just a lot of Indians. But there was this one Indian girl, about 21 years of age, that I was getting some very, very uncomfortable feelings for. And this girl, instead of the power going to her brother, it went to the girl. And this girl still has those powers today. The thing that uh, I know I, I, I shared with some of you have heard, but the thing that was amazing is I'm thinking I'm from a safe family. I mean, my family was not Christian. But uh, I was in Los Angeles, and uh, my mother was dying, and so I wanted to spend some time with her. And I, was, uh, I called a couple of my dad's elderly aunts. One is 92, the other is like 89. And when I called, my cousin got on the phone. I haven't seen for at least 40 years. And I said, what are you doing in Los Angeles? She said, oh, mom is really sick. And I came to help her. And I said, oh. I said, uh, she said, it was so interesting. She said, you know, I was down in Mexico with my husband on a hunting trip. Now, this is my aunt. And mom called me. And I flew to L.A. and put her in the hospital. And I said, Beverly, how did your mom get a hold of you in Mexico. I mean, I've, I've done seminars in Mexico. I mean, you can't find people even in the city in Mexico. How do you call, how does an 89-year-old lady call into Mexico and find her daughter hunting someplace? And she said, oh, Jim, she didn't call me on the telephone. She called me with her mind. She says, I've seen your prayer letters. You know about that. So here is my aunt who used telepathy to get her daughter in Utah to come to, I mean, in, she was in Mexico, and she, on hearing that in her mind, left Mexico, flew home, and found her mother almost dead. Now, what I do know is that particular aunt used to what we call lay the cards, and it wasn't tarot cards, it was regular cards. And I would watch my aunt tell fortunes, and I would watch her be right on target. 
I remember one time my uncle was going out for a job, and she told him he was going to get three interviews, but it was a third interview that wasn't going to hire him, but they were going to tell him to go somewhere, and it was, that's the place we're going to hire him. That's exactly what happened. So my aunt had all this ability, and her daughter got it. But when I talked to my mother, I, I said, Mom, you know, that's really creepy. I mean, it's my own family, it's my own flesh and blood, you know, and here they're telepathing and all this stuff. And uh, it just was, to me, I just didn't expect it in my family. And yet I knew my aunt told fortunes, but I never thought about it. When you grow up with this stuff, you don't think about it. You know, we always do that. I mean, that's the way families do, don't they? I mean, when you get a job, doesn't your aunt lay the cards for you? You know? <laughs> <laughs> <And> that what? <clears throat> so, uh, the... Uh, my mom told me this, and this really, really made me get real serious. She said, do you know who taught your Aunt Stella to lay the cards? I said, who? She said, your grandmother. And my grandmother lived right behind me. I never saw my grandmother lay the cards. I never saw my grandmother do anything. But here my grandmother, she had eight daughters and one son, and her powers went to just to my Aunt Stella. My Aunt Stella had three children, but her abilities, or that power, just went to one. And you need to stand against that in your family. And that's what caused the Copley family, Daniel Copley, the autistic boy, this family to come under tremendous attack and tremendous struggles is because of the, autist, the, autistic, the occultic behavior of a grandmother that opened that family and opened Daniel up as a small child to come under attack. Um, there, there is, um, the, the kids, when this happens to a child, usually they're not afraid because the, the spirits that come are at the same size as the child. They're not big and they grow up with the person. I remember uh, I was taking a course at Moody Bible Institute and how to counsel people that had gotten involved in all this kind of stuff. And we had a young man in the class and he said, you know, I had one of these spirit guides or one of these, you know, that came and it grew up with me. And uh, it was there the whole time I grew up. And he said, I never thought, he, it was a friend, it talked to me. I never told him that I had it because when I got junior high, it didn't seem like junior, other junior high kids had one. So I never talked about it. But he went to school with me and he was just with me all the time. And he said it was really, you know, he never saw anything wrong with it because it's, he couldn't remember it never being there. It was always there. But he said, I knew there was something wrong when I got married and it told me to kill my wife on my honeymoon. Then he said, I didn't know how to get rid of it. And how you get rid of this thing that you talk to all the time that was there. So if your kids have a, a vivid imagination, that's one thing. But be sure it's an imagination. If they say, don't sit in that chair. You know, Elizabeth is in that chair. Say, well, do you see Elizabeth in that chair? You know, is she really dear? Now, if you find that your family is having problems, nightmares, unusual type things, we have things where there's been a lot of sickness in the family, it didn't make sense. Uh, we get a lot of phone calls from people that are having sicknesses that the doctors can't find. In fact, we have many doctors that recommend people to call us. They say, there's just no medical reason for what's going on here. And uh, we wonder if there's not some kind of enemy involvement but if something is going on, if it's in a certain room of the house, I can't tell you how many phone calls we get of families where there's a room in the house that no one wants to go in and no one feels comfortable. I remember uh, 
one family called and their four-year-old boy woke up and he saw eyes glowing in the dark in the bedroom. His 15-year-old brother slept with him. He saw the same thing. Well, they fled out of that bedroom. So the mom called me and said, you know, my kids are seeing these things in the bedroom. And this is what she said. I know you're going to groan when you hear this. She said, do you suppose it has any significance with the occultic books we found behind the furnace when we moved in? And I thought, probably. <laughs> a pretty good putting together there that obviously there was some kind of occultic stuff going on in your house before you went in there. And it's amazing uh, of how many of these house things we're getting where people are, some people are going to move out. They say, we just can't live in this house. This house is so creepy. This house is so, you know, goofy. In fact, just recently someone told me of their, their uh, stepmother who goes downstairs, she has an angel, she turns the angel when she walks down the stairs, gets her cup of coffee, and when she comes back, the angel's turned back. That means the angel in her home is now there. I mean, that was just told me yesterday. She lives in Pennsylvania. That's why I don't live here. <laughs> but they live everywhere. I mean, you'd be amazed at, at all of this kind of thing. But if something is going on, first of all, do you know anything about the house and the people that live there? People say, oh, we're getting all kinds of New Age literature. Well, obviously, if it's coming in the mail, you know, dear occupant, then you know what these people were into, and you want to cleanse that home. Just pray and ask God to remove anything that's not of his in that home. Just remove all these things out of the home. And be sure to include the ground the house sets on. In Taiwan, the, Philip, the Presbyterian Seminary there was having real problems in the boys' dorm. And these are Chinese fellows, and they were having all kinds of uh, things walking up and down in the dorm, and the fellows were all uh, just so frightened because of what was happening. And they would kept praying through that dorm, and, and everything would be okay for a while, and then it would be back again, back all this demonic activity in the a dorm. And, and they kept saying, there's something wrong. What's wrong? Maybe somebody's dabbling in something here. Well, they, uh, someone, they were going to do some more building, and someone was looking at the... the the prospectus, uh, the ground, and all that. And here they, they saw that this seminary building was built on a Buddhist cemetery. See, they kept cleansing the building, but they never dedicated the ground to the Lord. And the ground had been pre-given to the enemy. And so the enemy was using that to keep these seminary students frightened all the time by walking up down the hall and so on. I remember... Uh, some of you know Neil Anderson. Neil Anderson is a good friend of mine. We did a video together on children, and uh, Neil was teaching at Biola or at Talbot Seminary out there, and they were having all kinds of spooky stuff in the boys' dorm. And so Neil just asked them a question, you know, why? What's going on? And uh, found out that some of the kids were doing Dungeons and Dragons in the boys' dorm at that Bible school. And guys in that dorm were being absolutely freaked out with all kinds of strange things going on. So what's the history of where you live? You know, is there something that's gone on? And if there is a particular room, it may be that that room was used in some way of worship or for getting power or something. And so pray God's cleansing. Now, the one thing that I'm concerned about, I know some of you may react to me, but listen to this real carefully. Remember we talked about the tobacco ties? The... Sioux Indians putting tobacco ties in the windows to keep spirits out. You know what some Christians do to keep spirits out? 
they put olive oil on the windows and on the doors. Now, let me ask you something. Will olive oil keep spirits out of your house? No. You want to be careful that you don't become almost spiritistic in the way you deal with the enemy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, 2 Thessalonians 3.3 is a wonderful, wonderful passage. It says this, God is faithful, who will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Now, if you're using the olive oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit, maybe, but I've heard people say, oh, you missed the window. You know, we better put it over this window. And be careful, because it's so easy to, to fall into even, you know, Christian practices that lose its value. Like, if you have nightmares, open the Bible and put it by your bedside table, and the nightmares will stop. That's spiritistic. Pray against it, take your stand in Christ, and so on. We want to do that today, with all that, and whatever all that means. We want to, we want to get into that. But if there is something going on in a particular room, if it's a child's room, go in the closet, look at the toys. Is there something, is there an article in the closet? Is there something that child is having? Because often kids will see things, they call and they say, it comes right out of the closet. Well, that's a real key. You know, this, this thing comes out of the, the big thing comes out of the closet, mom. It's, it's dark and it comes out and I can't be in my room. Or a little thing comes out of the closet. And uh, look in there. You know, are there things in there that are questionable? You can get a, a book called Turmoil in the toy, toy Box. I've never read the book, but there's so many toys today that have occultic significance that if there is something going on, the question you need to ask yourself is why? Why are we going through this as a family? Why do we have this going on in our home? Or why are we having some real unusual things at church? A fellow, a pastor called me the other day, he was crying because they were using his church for satanic rituals, the basement of his church. And they were having all kinds of weird things going on in that church. It just didn't make sense. And he said, I want to resign. I want to get out of here. He said, this, our church is creepy. Well, they didn't know they were using the church for these things. Um, if you find objects, the best thing is to destroy them, to burn what can be burned, and just break and destroy what can be broken. Just get rid of them. Um, don't go overboard. We have people that go overboard. I, you know, I, I don't know if I should wear this coat. It was made in Taiwan. You know, uh, and uh, I said, you know, you'd rip up the rugs if you could. And, and so people go extreme. But we're saying, if you have a problem, ask the question, why are we having this problem? Why are my kids having nightmares all the time? Why does everybody dread going in this particular room? What do we know? Let's go in that room. Let's, let's pray that God would cleanse that room. Let's pray that our family could be able to go back in that room or feel good in that room. Just one last room. This was interesting. A psychiatrist that teaches at Wheaton College called uh, Dr. Fred Dickinson, another one of our board members, and, he's, and she said, Fred, you know, we just moved a new house here in Wheaton. And she said, you know, when I work in the kitchen, the closer I get to the, the garage, I get these creepy feelings. I mean, day or night, it doesn't make any difference. And uh, she said, it doesn't make sense. And he said, why do you get creepy feelings 
when you go to the garage, is there anything in that garage that wasn't in the other house? And she said, oh yeah. She said, when we moved in this house, there was a room that had a platform and a black table in front of a black wall. And the, I mean, the, you know, you're thinking, clue, you know. And she said, the, we put the black table in the garage. Well, you know, when, and I said, well, I think it was an altar of some sort. And when they broke that up and burned it and asked God to cleanse, she doesn't get any more feelings. See, we don't have to live in fear of the enemy. He's been defeated. But we don't want to give the enemy an opportunity to bring destructive type of attacks upon my children or upon my family through, you can do it through music. We didn't get into music, but he does it music. All animistic people use music, music to call spirits, all of them. And I asked the Africans one time, I said, would you put Jesus Loves Me to this, this tune? They said, no. I said, why? He said, well, the music calls spirits. And we want to take music that calls spirits and put Jesus' words to it. So you want to be really careful that you have the right kind of music in your home. There's music that, that it seems that the enemy flees from. And there's music we know. We've, had, we've dealt with Satanists that have come, that have been in satanic covens and things. They use music to call spirits in their satanic coven meetings. And the churches are taking that music into the church now and putting Christian words to it and are wondering why we're having all this problem in the church. So, you know, guard your home. Uh, guard your family. And if something goes on, just say, Lord, what's happening here? Lead us, show us. You know, if the enemy is somehow something going on in this home that we need to get rid of or a room we need to dedicate, have you dedicated your home to Christ? Have you dedicated your children to the Lord? You should, shouldn't you? You know, recognize they belong to him and, and uh, watch over him and guard your family. Father, we, we think of these practices of games, um, different things that kids do, toys, music, um, home situation, family background where there was someone in the family with occultic practices. Lord, we just pray that if there's any here that are having a struggle like that in their home or family or have a, a background, that they would renounce that. And they would ask you to cut off any kind of power that would be transferring in that family from one family member to another. We ask this, that you would be glorified, that this family be free from unnecessary uh, attack of the enemy, we ask this, that when people come on the property and come in the home, they may sense the very presence of Christ there. In his name, amen.